Welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast from Wales Online. Hello, welcome to the Welsh Rugby Podcast by Wales Online, brought to you by Gulliver's Sports Channel. Uh, I'm Ben James, and today I'm joined by rugby writer Andy Howell to look back on another weekend of Welsh rugby and look ahead as well. So, first of all, Andy, how are you? Not too bad, uh, Ben. It's just me and you because our old mate Simon Thomas, he's off work, he's on a sick, he's fighting uh, an illness, and we wish him all the best with his recovery. And uh, you know, we want to see him, uh, want him back here because I want to have some more arguments with him. Sure, I'm sure we'll uh, we'll go out on the road and we'll we'll go visit him at some point, and maybe do a podcast. Yeah, that'd be good. It's a good idea, and you know, I'm sure he'd love it. So, um, let's get on to the rugby. First of all, let's start with the Ospreys. They played first up on Friday night. Ben, they might as well not played. There we go. Simple as. Let's be straight. Let's be honest about it. They were in Munster with such a weakened team and they didn't have a, a hope. Alan Clark, the coach, has tried to defend his uh, position by saying that, uh, you know, these boys will learn from it and all. But, uh, you know, what I saw that game, the highlights and all, I, I think that will actually do more damage to some of those uh, uh, lads than improve them. They'll be psychologically scarred. You know, I'm going to name names here. Sam Davis, he was one of Wales' hot prospects, and by the end of that game, he was uh, you know struggling to make uh, tackles. But he wasn't the only one; there were others as well were dropping off uh, uh, tackles. It was a, one of the most embarrassing nights in the Ospreys' history, and I, I, I thought it was unacceptable. And if I was the new uh, broadcasters, Premier Sports, who paid heck of a lot of money to cover the uh, this tournament, I would be asking the Ospreys for a rebate because uh, anybody. Uh, because that wasn't an advert for uh, Premier Sports, and uh, and it certainly wouldn't have got people to buy subscriptions. I know what you mean. I, I, I do understand that. I think the problem with the Pro 14 is players aren't going to play week in, week out. With it. We, we know that. And uh, it, it always feels like perhaps the English media sort of lord over that as why that's why this competition isn't as good as it can be. Yeah, but I, I don't think the English media are interested in Pro 14. I in the slightest. Oh, only, okay, well, maybe <laughs> only when they want to sort of suggest that the Premiership is superior, which, you know, maybe you think it is, maybe you don't. You look at the facts, I think every team in the Pro 14 last year used at least 43 players. I think the highest was the Dragons with 61. Players can't play week in week out we know that in terms of you look at the Premiership it does affect the national teams and their European chances because they're flogging the players as such coaches do have to make a sort of decision on how they manage players I think if Alan Clark gets to round six and he's got five wins out of six then we can look back on this monster game and say yeah okay that was the right decision but yeah the, the way they went down that's that's a sort of tough thing to take, isn't it? Yeah, it is, and uh, and uh, it's only the third game in the season. They need to rest guys already. Isn't it better you bank the points early on uh, rather than perhaps be in a situation they've let that game go out there, and, uh, and you know a, a fully loaded Osprey. There's no reason why they can't win in Munster. Munster are not world beaters on paper. There's no reason whatsoever right, why the Ospreys couldn't win. Then the other issue is: what about now? If some of those Ospreys boys play for Wales in the autumn and, and pick up injuries, and then they're unavailable for the Ospreys for a few games. So you can actually they can end up missing more Ospreys games than they would have by playing now. 
isn't it? You know, it's a chance you take, isn't it? it is By resting chance, yeah. someone, you know. And he's going to hope to make uh, pick up points in the, late in the season. What about, this, what about at the end of the season now? Ospreys miss out on the playoffs by by a point, you know, and they could possibly perhaps have got a point with a fully loaded team in Munster by either scoring four uh, four tries or finishing with seven points. You know, wouldn't that be a sort of a oh, a nasty sort of? I suppose feedback? on the flip side, what if say they took a full strength team over to Munster on Friday night, <laughs> still lost, maybe maybe got got a couple of uh, bumps and bruises, and then mm. lose to Benetton. The following week, because well, they, could, they could still lose the band on anyway. I mean, they could, yeah. They yeah, band on the side. The other thing issue as well, Ben, is well, but the is psychologically the Ospreys don't win many big matches away from home. So surely, the sooner they break that habit, that losing habit, the better. I was they're going to go into Europe, and they're going to playing away in Europe against the better uh, uh, against better teams, say. Um, and they're not used to winning away, so what hope have they got? That's a fair point. I think what's the what's the stat on uh, terms uh, of away win? Well, like, the Ospreys yeah. starts winning away is is pretty poor in, uh, away in Europe, yeah. and they've struggled in England all that. Yeah, mm. yeah. So uh, it's time they started, uh, uh, you know, winning away. And to win away, you've got to pick your best team. Well, maybe maybe Munster away isn't the sort of first game. Yeah, sort but of Munster, Munster that uh, is an away win. We're not talking about the Munster, Ronan, O'Gara, Paul O'Connell. Um, no, we're not talking about Munster with Tyburn and Joey Carberry, so it's not, it's not a bad team, is it? Well, has the Ospreys got a bad team? George North. That's true, but Alan Wynne Jones, Justin uh, Tippett, Landed did, Adam Beard. Come on, come on! The Ospreys have got a good, good squad there. Owen Watkin. I think the proof, the proof, the proof of the pudding for Alan Clark is this weekend. A Benetton, isn't it? Yeah, it's going to be a tough game, whatever, because Benetton, I've covered Benetton now of, uh, uh, um, a couple of times this season. They beat one at the Dragons, and they beat Cardiff Blues, deserved winners on both occasions. Good side. Uh, I think it's great that the Italians have got their act together the last couple of years since they brought in uh, uh, Conor O'Shea as head coach of the Italy team, Kieran Crowley, ex-All Blacks fullback at Benetton's coach, and Michael Bradley, ex-Island captain at, um, at Zebra, because what those three have done... Is uh, ensure the players have got a lot fitter over, and you no longer see the situation where the Italians were blowing up after sixty minutes. In fact, they finished the stronger in the games I've seen. That's the thing, yeah. Which perhaps raises question marks about the fitness of some of the players at Welsh regions. Perhaps or not. We'll get on to I think the, the sort of team you're on about there. We'll get on to them in a bit. I'm not sure it's fitness related. Well, it might not be. It could be decision making related. But. Yeah, going going back to Benetton, I think I think after the first weekend, it was a case of oh, the Dragons have lost at home to Benetton. Typical Dragons, yeah, not brilliant. And then Benetton went to, went the weekend after and beat the Blues, and hmm. it was maybe, maybe okay, maybe maybe Benetton, maybe maybe the Dragons weren't so bad to lose to, well, to Benetton, and went. then this weekend they or last weekend rather they they went to the Scarlets and. Nearly won again after nearly winning there in the Champions Cup last season. When yeah. Perhaps they should have won. They, they were and, man down for a lot yeah, of the game. For most of the match, I think. Yeah. yeah. You know, from about 29th minute or something. Yeah. yeah. Kieran Crowley's got a really good thing going there. Yeah, they, they won 11 and they're 21 fixtures last, last season. Let's don't forget. And, for, and, and perhaps unusually, they haven't lost many players. When they've had decent seasons in the past, then their players have become wanted 
and loads of them have left the uh, left the uh, franchise, but that just didn't seem to be uh, no longer the case. And perhaps he's actually uh, strengthened their squad. Well, I saw a stab on Twitter about um, it's the winger Montiwani, isn't it? Yeah, he's cousin of Digby, Digby Ioni, yeah, Digby, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, he joined in December 2017, and since he's joined, they've won ten out of the fourteen games he's played. Lucky charm. That's you know that just that just shows you the form of, of that team. Mm. So yeah, it, it's going to be a tough ask for the Ospreys. Yeah. Um, you imagine like people like George North will come back in. The problem is Scott Williams won't be there, so mm. it does change the sort of dynamics of, of, of that backline if it doesn't. It? Yeah, it does. Who's going to play in the centre with Owen Watkin? Um, I suppose they could throw in Hook there. Yeah, he played fullback. The other night, um, is it Joe Thomas? Joe Thomas came on and did for Scott Williams and did quite well in there. Uh, he, uh, he looked good, didn't two he? Two weeks ago. Mm. I suppose what it does require is someone like Owen Watkin to step up and be sort of more authoritative in midfield. Yeah. He has been. He's been starting twelve with Williams mm. thirteen. So I don't think there's any concerns about him. Sort of. No, he's looking at his stats and competition this season. They're pretty good. Yeah, and, and like you know, you look look at last year. Any time the Ospreys played well, it was because they had Owen Watkins dying, and that that was, if you boil it down to the basics, that was sort of the reason. Is because he was in their starting fifteen. So I think that's going to be a big one. Um, how do you see that one going, Ospreys against Benetton? That's going to be a tough game, I think. Yeah, uh, I think that's going to be another close call. Um, I think the Ospreys may win and because of uh, one block George North I think if North has a big game they'll win that match he is yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, if he doesn't it's a good it is a, every possibility Ben and Tom might sneak it he is sort of developing into a sort of talismanic sort of player especially at that level you know regional level there's no reason why he can't you know you get the ball into his hands enough times he's going to do like, three, tries, do some three damage. tries in his two games isn't it yeah he's going to, yeah, he's going to do some damage isn't he absolutely um, but we'll they, yeah Benton I've got a good defence mate they do we'll mm. move on to a team that could probably do with a talisman go on that's the Dragons uh, they went down what was the score again 52 10 which was remarkably similar to last season when they lost 54 10 yeah, this was a lot uh, stronger um, uh, team that went over there. But then yeah. again, Leinster had their best back division playing. Whereas last season, they had m- you know much of their sort of uh, uh, fringy sort of players played. Yeah, probably, probably surprised yeah. to be honest that the Leinster how many sort of first team players they brought back. The sort of talk of being they were going to ease them back a couple week by week, and yeah, it was the third. You know, it feels like week. in the space of about two weeks, they've brought most of them back mm. probably, probably a little bit faster than expected um, mm. but yeah how, how, how it was one sided one sided match I think it was the same sort of the same old dragons really uh, you know they were outclassed outgunned probably outpowered as well um, you know the driving line out is an issue for the dragons defending it Lancer scored off a couple of set pieces from scrum and all Lancer just had too much for too much firepower for him and too much physicality and uh, of course they had the boys who could do uh, behind who could do some uh, damage however the best try of the match I think it's a contender for try of the season was scored by uh, 
John Williams. Absolutely. Why do you make that try, Ben? It's. I suppose it's the try that we've always sort of known he's capable of producing. Um, it's just it's just pleasing to see all those sort of facets come together because I think with a try like that you do need everything to sort of come together at the right moment and then it's he's a good enough sort of broken field runner to sort of take advantage of it yeah it actually came from set piece mine came from a line out line out they put the ball across the three quarters he literally ghosted between Johnny Sexton and Gary Ringrose just his pace he just straightened a bit just went through the gap and he left both the Carney brothers Rob British Lion and Dave Lion International he left them floundering two devastating side steps off his uh uh, left foot and he's such a balanced runner Jameson Gibson Park was coming across the cover and he was left uh, stranded as well by another sort of jink round him it was just brilliant try and it was was like watching again like uh, when he started in the 2013 under 20 world uh, championships when Wales reached the uh, final for the only time and uh, you know he was brilliant in that but uh, you could say what's happened was, uh, what's happened since 2013 Remember, yeah, I remember mm. him taking a part. It was the uh, the junior box, wasn't it, the, uh, in the semi final, yeah. and he he caused them all manner of problems. I, yeah, he was brilliant, and uh, the, you know the great Sean uh, Fitzpatrick uh, dubbed him afterwards the new Christian Cullen. He said it was the neatest thing he's seen at Christian Cullen since uh, Cullen and played for the All Blacks. Well, you, you've done a piece actually today. Um, yeah, you've done a big piece. The, the uh, Enigma, Jordan Williams. The sort of story because. After the World Championships, he went on the 2014 South Africa tour. Yeah, he, he played against Eastern Province. He did, and he also impressed in the Possibles versus Probables match. Scored mm. twice. Yeah. Huh. And then, and then it just sort of fell away from the Wales. They all fell it? away after Wayne Pivot, who's going to Wales coaching weight to him, was appointed Scarlet's uh, uh, coach. Uh, uh, John fell out of favour. Uh, Pivot on the record, you know about. Uh, his defence, communication, tackling, etc., etc., and uh, he was uh, spent a lot of the one season playing for Kamal and Queens Island at the uh, RFC. In the end, it was a part in the way uh, Jordan had two years at Bristol. First season they went down from the Premiership. Last season he helped them go back up. His second season went uh, better, but he still got at Wales aspirations, and that's why he's signed. One of the reasons he signed for the Dragons is because he's got to be playing in Wales to be eligible uh, uh, to be picked by Warren Gatland. And uh, you know, dragons have—they've uh, been so so really so far, despite all those fourteen recruits. At, uh, but John, interestingly, is uh, joined top of the table with numbers of defenders beaten in the Pro Fourteen this season. Fourteen. He is. Who, yeah. uh, I can put, I can name you two of the others. John Lamore is one of them. And DTH Vandermeer, and then an Italian, but I've forgotten his name. Um, but yeah, can, can pick up a couple of things. First of all, I, it was sort of ironic that. The try was against Leinster at the RDS because I seem to remember that's where he fell out of favour with Pivak. Yeah, yeah that's right. Let's. Yeah. Um, for the defensive no show. Yeah, and you. All right. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. We'll, yeah, we'll, we'll call it that. Yeah, we'll call it that. Um, and then the other thing was you mentioned about he went to Bristol, and, and, and there, there is sort of striking similarities to the path of Matthew Morgan. Another guy of the same size. Same, same size, same criticism level that him. He left the Ospreys, went to Bristol. I think he won Premier Championship Player of the Year in his first year there. Yeah, Championship, was it? Yeah, he was yeah. a champ- yeah, yeah. Championship Player of the Year. Yeah. And um, then he came back to Wales, hoping to sort of boost his test credentials. It hasn't really happened for him. He's been capped, man. 
He has been. Canned. And he was in the squad at the World Cup. Yeah, that's correct. Well, he, that played, was, he played. That was 2015. I don't think. I don't think he's been capped since he came back. Um, Maybe but, no. Do you, do you see Jordan sort of following in a similar path? And you mentioned that they're in passing that the next Wales coach is Wayne Pivak. Yeah, which certainly you know Jordan's going to have to uh, defend. You know, be fully committed in defence. He's going to have to. Use his talent, grab great uh, games by the scruff of his neck, uh, become a uh, a leading light if you uh, if you want. Uh, you know he's really going to have to do something, I think, to impress uh, Pivak. Um, you know, because Pivak's typical New Zealander, like Gatlin, I suppose, in a sense, he's pretty straight, and uh, you know he, he wants he want John's going to have to make his tackles. He's going to have to. Uh, when Paul's putting the air on him, he's going to have to show he wants to catch it, and uh, he's going to have to develop his all-round game to uh, force his way in a Wales free next season uh, with Pivot. But of course, we got a World Cup before then. If he does those things as well this season with the Dragons, uh, you know Rob Howley's compared him to Shane Williams in the past for what he can bring to a team. Uh, There's no reason why he can't be a World Cup bolter. You know, because he, you know, yeah. he is like Leinster. Their backs coach Philippe Contepony, Argentine outside half grid, and he said after the game, he'd been drumming it into Leinster players all week, Johnny Sexton and Co. But the danger, of Jordan Williams. But he, but he said that Williams was really unstoppable. Uh, we devised a plan to stop him, but he was too good for that plan. I mean, let's compare him and Matthew Morgan, Damon McKenzie, in New Zealand, same size. But what does Mackenzie do, Ben, that those pair perhaps don't? It's the appetite to defend, isn't it, probably? That's right. He piles into tackles, punches way above his weight. And New Zealand's attitude, if you do things like that and you're good enough, it doesn't matter how big you are, they will pick you if they think you're the best man for the, uh, for the job. Maybe they are not as sizest as we are uh, uh, in Wales at the risk of contradiction. I mean, uh, said what I did about Pivot and... Uh, and Jordan uh, Williams but uh, you know if, if, if Bathy Morgan or John Williams had the appetite of Damian McKenzie uh, would, would, would you think they'd be playing international rugby with their talent I think so yeah, yeah they, they, you know, they are two of the most talented players who've come through the system in Wales since regional rugby was introduced I remember Matthew Morgan looking impressive at the last World Cup when he had his chances I think he started full back against Fiji, Fiji. And it was, it wasn't a sort of vintage game by any means. But when he did get the chance for a little bit of sort of broken field running, he caused Fiji problems. Mm. And you know, that's that's Fiji. They're, they're probably a team who sort they, of they are well good. versed in that. Yeah, sort yeah, of yeah. They have a good game. side, actually. Yeah, exactly. Um, we'll move on to another point from the Dragons game. Um, I'm not sure what your opinion is. That's Ross Moriarty. He had a yellow card for. I'm not really sure how to describe. Was it was it a late hit or was it just a case of sort of holding his line and sort of running into the back of Johnny Sexton? Uh, a bit of both, I imagine. Is that is that an example of when players like Johnny Sexton perhaps get? I uh, be Prote- careful with my words here. Protected. Protected. Yeah. 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 I would thought so. You know, Sex is a big name. And if he gets hit and all a bit late, he complains to the ref and all that. A ref, he was in Dublin, 
own crowd on the rest back and all. You know, you, 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 Ross shouldn't perhaps do. You can't take those chances because when you, uh, you know, because there's every possibility that the ref is gonna uh, gonna bin you if you uh, if you take out someone or bump into someone like Johnny Sexton or Dan Garter or or um, yeah, or Owen Farrell or someone. Um, so you can't reach really you just got to, you know, you got to change your line, haven't you? Be disciplined. Yeah. Ross might have been, he likes it all that. Yeah, and he might have been a bit frustrated by what was going on in the game. And perhaps he needed a whiff as well, because I think he ended up, still ended up making about 22 titles in a match, which showed his commitment to the cause on a tough day at the office. Uh, but, you know, this day and age, isn't it? There's TMO watching it, there's the assistant referees, there's the ref, there's cameras, everybody just can't get away with these things. With Ross, maybe it's a case of sort of pick and choosing your battles. I remember, was it 2017, the Six Nations match? You know, he, put, he put a late hit on was Owen that? Farrell. Yeah, yeah. But perhaps where Owen Farrell and Sexton differ is, you know, Farrell. Farrell want to fight him and Sexton yeah, complain. Farrell likes that physical confrontation. Yeah. He sort of gets fired up, but he likes it. Sexton's straight to the referee. Oh, yeah. I... You know, he... <laughs> he plays a referee, doesn't he? He does. Something that he does very well, and you've already got to look at. Mm. And of course, when Ross was in a bin, the match totally went away from the Dragons. Yeah, yes, it did. They've got uh, it's Zebra what? at home on the weekend. That's so. That the Zebra side who staged a remarkable comeback from uh, was it 21 0 down, down in about 15 minutes to deservedly beat the Blues. It's it's in Rodney Gray, so it's, it's it's maybe a slightly different sort of challenge to say if it was in Italy, but well, Zebra are going to be fired up because they were going nuts at the end of that match of the Blues. I will do so much for their confidence. Absolutely. And uh, again, oh, what, what was the other pleasing fact about Italian rugby is the type of type of game they're trying to play, especially Zebra they're playing a real offloading game. I think they're topping the stats for offloads in the Pro 14. They're a dangerous side. They got support runners all the time. And um, you know they take some stop and they play some beautiful rugby against the Blues, and they actually uh, maybe could have scored a couple more tries. Yeah. Uh, so that, that's going to be. I wouldn't like to call that match Dragons and Zebra. It's no. going to be really. It could be a really tight game, entertaining game. We've mentioned it slightly there, uh, Zebra. Let's move on a little bit further with that. Third game in a row where the Cardiff Blues have let a late lead slip. Is that just three separate incidents, or is it now a problem for John Mulville? Well, it's a problem because I think it's in their uh, in their minds. They seem to me that they, they they perhaps panicked a bit. The zebra when he went uh, when he scored those three tries and all, so uh, you know I'm doing the report. I thought this is going to be easy. I get another result by half time and crack on start right now. Uh, and you know I fully expected them to get a fourth try and a bonus point within a, within another five. 10 minutes, you know, well before half time, but they became complacent, they went asleep they started making errors, it was almost as if they believed we won a European Challenge Cup last season, you know, we this great side, and I don't think, you know, and I don't think that's the case at the moment, I think they when they're on it, they are a good side but when they're off it, they're pretty poor and uh, defensively they not the force they were but Sean Ed- when Sean Edwards was defence coaching last season which I know that uh, our colleague there, Simon Thomas, concurs with. They're definitely not a force. And uh, 
they've got this annoying habit, and this is what's killing them. They've given these daft penalties away, either in the opposition half or only halfway line, which allows the opposition then to put pressure into the Blues 22. And that's what happened. That's what led to Zebra again, the score which uh, nicked the game, was that they'd um, that they give a couple of daft penalties away. Uh, indiscipline is killing them. Uh, do you know what? I even go as far as to say some Blues players need to go on a low refresher course. They know the rules. <laughs> you on what you going on with Ben for your journalism? I've got a low refresher tomorrow. Oh, yeah. There we have. I know you're looking forward to that. But it's important. Get a couple of Blues boys in with you. I don't enjoy that but yeah it's, it's bizarre isn't it like these these games are almost like a microcosm of what Danny Wilson's three years in charge was yep. where it's just plenty of positives but then it's undercut by lots of sort of negatives it's just maddeningly inconsistent yeah and having to make up for lost ground yeah all the time you know Danny's team last season had a poor start to the season and so, it's, it's happening again now. Yeah. You know, if they lose a couple more games, they're going to be really struggling to make the playoffs. Something they've never done, actually. Think, think, think back to every year under Danny Wilson. Mm. The Cardiff Blues were always many people's dark horses for yeah. this Pro 14. Mm. And they, they, they'd have a run of games where you'd think, oh, yeah, they, yeah, they, they deserve that crown because they're, they're looking good. And then they just go on a losing streak. Mm. And then last year, it was the losing streak. Danny Wilson and Angie Lee and Sean Edwards came in so you had Sean Edwards Jockey Wilson and Danny or Jockey Sherrod rather yeah. than Danny Wilson and they went jo- on this Jockey Wilson and dad's play you were thinking of Dexy song isn't it uh, <laughs> and then um, yeah Danny Wilson and Jockey Sherrod and they went on this winning streak and and now Mobile has taken over on the back of that success so I think people are expecting more oh yeah but you, just, you cannot overlook mm. the fact they've lost Sean Edwards but no. also the fact they've lost Jockey I think I think losing Jockey is as big a loss as Sean Edwards well they have got a really good I young backs coach there and Jason a, Strange a who's a premium op- operator so I don't think the attack has been a problem when they've scored some lovely tries I, I think their problem is discipline I'll expand on what go on then they've scored a lot of lovely tries mm. Off first phase, mm. maybe second phase. Yeah, it's when you get to repeat phases that they're looking a little bit ponderous, I think. And I think that's maybe that- where the influence of jockeys sort of missing. And now, though, after you've gone through so many phases, you you go outside the plan, then don't you? And it's down to the players on the pitches, isn't it, to take decisions to play heads up rugby. Now they got players who can do that in Jared Evans, in Kazanskam. Yeah, to an extent. I think Matthew Morgan. You do implement some patterns which aren't hard and fast. You know, mm. there are some there are some coaches out there who who want to. Mm. I think Graham Graham Henry was one of them when he had the Lions two thousand one. Mm. He wanted to have 10, 11, 12 phases planned, which you just can't do. Mm. That's that's why that Lions team lost in Australia when it was an outrageously talented Lions team. No, well, I disagree with you there, Ben. They lost because Nathan Gray put Richard Hill out of the uh, there's, there's, out of the series <laughs> in, uh, just before half uh, time of the second test. There's, there's a few reasons, you know, but that that, that was one of them. Um, but yeah, I, I just think at the minute the Blues look a little bit ponderous after a peak phase. It's, it's probably hidden by the fact that they are scoring lovely tries off first phase because 
you have got Jared Evans, you've got Gareth Anscombe, you've got Halaholo, Ray Lilo, Owen Lane. They're players who can run lovely lines off first phase, and it, it makes it look like everything is is going tickety boo because they're they're scoring these sort of rugby league s tries where the depth is right. It's 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 when we get to sort of fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh phase, and there's no depth and there's nothing going on. That's when they struggle, and that's again maybe that's where they lack the tactical nice to say okay let's mm. let's put it in the corner. I am checked this, but what what pass would be interesting is what's uh, how does a try to count per game this season equate to last season? You know, if you could score first or second phase, it's, it's better than scoring off seventh phase, in my opinion. It is, hmm. but why you you know you don't have to go for the phases for the sake of it. Eh? If you can break a defense straight away, hmm. you know that's that's good play and good coaching. No, but then the problem is you're not going to break. You're not going to score first phase every time, and I don't. Yeah, think yeah, they, no, exactly. I don't. I don't think they know what to do when they get up to the latter phases. That's well, the thing. It's, it's, it's not that they're not then scoring off latter phases. Well, it's yeah. that they get to those phases, then you know. The players look, look, they got. The, the last, players they got there though. They should yeah. be able to do that. Themselves. But the last five minutes or ten minutes of each of these three matches, possession straight up, and they close the boundaries, and they fail to close it out. Yeah, I think. But I think it, on the weekend we saw Jared I, Evans put a kick into the corner. He did, and then, and then I think it was an immediate give a daft penalty away. Yeah, uh, you know, in the in the Seba uh, twenty two or just outside, which enabled them to get the Blues off, and then uh, they went from there. You know, they, Jared Evans put him in position to win that match with that kick, and then he blew it themselves. They should just let Zebra have the ball. I know Mulvihill has sort of mentioned um, in press conferences that they, they they hadn't done enough of those sort of two minute drills the sort of you know the two minute drills up by three close the game out mm. he's saying that they haven't done enough of that but it's something they're gonna he, he thought they were okay yeah clearly he, they're not clearly that's something they need to work is on is he saying that though because he's just trying to take the pressure off the players that's a, that's a good question trying to take the rap himself rather than yeah, you, you've been to a lot more press conferences rather than, than you so. know to, like he's mentioned about the discipline and all the discipline's got to improve personally I think that's a real reason is indiscipline they just yeah. got to stop giving those penalties away I don't think it's a crisis but it could develop yeah. into one because they are like I say they are playing some good rugby they could win all those matches and um, and, and they got a good squad so there's no reason why they can't turn it round but you know it must be so frustrating for Melville and the uh, well, and the players and the um, and the supporters who suspected so much this season. But if this carries on, if they, um, you know, they got a huge game Friday night, haven't they, against Munster? Yeah. Uh, if Munster come again, you know, uh, imagine they'll come with a decent team. Uh, is you know, it could be an ad- that could be a really tight game, uh, tough game. If the Blues lose that match, you know, they're, they're saying it's not a crisis now, but it is be moving towards one certainly. Yeah, you know, I spoke to John Mulvihill in the summer and we talked about it was it was a sit down with all four of the coaches and we talked about how you as a coach you need three you need three years to reach your pick. That's just you know, you look at all the last three, four winners of the Pro fourteen, Pro twelve, mm. the coach has always been in their third year. He pointed out that's that's all well and good, but I can't come to the Cardiff Blues and and say I want to, I want three years to achieve something. I've got to do something in three weeks. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Especially after the back of last season. Yeah, as things. It's like when it's like when Leinster appoint new coach. When they appoint new coaches, our coaches expected to start winning straight away. 
Exactly. That's the expectation. He probably, he probably didn't expect his words back then to be so sort of prophetic. But um, I think where we're moving to next in the podcast is probably a good reason of why he probably deserves a bit more time, and that's Wayne Pivak and the Scarlet. You've only got to remember oh, the Wayne him. Pivak out brigade a few yeah. years ago, and look how that season finished. They no, were pro club champions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So that's, that's where we're That shows next. a fickle of business within. It does. So, yeah, the Scarlet. Um, Beat Benetton on the weekend. It wasn't easy. It wasn't pretty. It's a good game. Well, it was a little bit pretty then because there was some good stuff. nice tries for both teams. Um, what did you make of that one? Uh, it was sort of a topsy turvy uh, game. Um, you know, both teams had their moments. Uh, you know, when they scored a couple of tries each or what have you. And it was almost the case who was ahead at the end, who just happened to be in uh, front. Thought the Scarlets actually closed the game up quite well, and um, they play some good rugby. When you look at the changes of personnel, the Scarlets in their squad and the injuries they got, they're going well. They can be pleased with their start of the uh, season because quite a lot of change there. You know, they lost some of their best players, brought in others, and they have got a lot of injuries. But they're managing shows perhaps the depth of their squad, and they have got some, uh, uh, you know, some outstanding youngsters uh, coming through, like players like Dan Davis. I like the look at him playing for. Um, last season in some of the games uh, I think the Anglo Welsh and um, uh, and playing for Wales 20s uh, he's a good player flanker and they've got other good lads as well so those boys what's good at the Scarlets is boys seem to be they've got a winning culture and boys seem to be able to slot into the team and just do the job that's the thing isn't yeah. it you yeah. talk about the injury crisis um, James Davis was the latest to go off and that's that's a big worry for them that's, yeah. you know that's not but you think about people slotting in. In the summer, they signed Ed Kennedy, who was a virtual unknown, signed in from uh, Randwick in Australia. He's playing six, right? Now. He, he's, you know, after after a sort of stupid yellow card on the opening weekend at Ulster, he, he's, he's elevated his game because you could see clearly that he had a sort of ability about him, but he's he shown he's got the physical uh, game for this level. Um, Blake Thompson he'd be playing Scotland on a minute absolutely you know he came over sort of he was the big signing of the summer mm. you know and he's just impressed he, get, he gets the ball in wide channels uh, doesn't sort of, offers a sort of perhaps more physical sort of threat in the wider channels than say someone like Ty Burnwood but he's got a lovely offloading game and it just it just gives the Scarlets different options with how they want to play it um, even even Sam Hidalgo Klein who came in as a he was playing flight half a, on the large part of the game yeah, uh, yeah he's you, good you talk about players he has played uh, flight half before yeah. a bit mate. but you talk about players sliding in mm. that's when you I know it's not it's not ideal for the Scarlets that no. Hatchell and Dan Jones are you know injured but mm. it does feel like they you know they just go out and sort of play an all court game and Okay, well, you'll, you'll go there. Like, remember the, the La Rochelle game last year? James yeah. Davis ended up on the wing. It's just, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a luxury to have, isn't it? For yeah. A wing, like. yeah, it certainly is. Yeah, but it also shows as well how good a coach Pivot is and uh, and his assistants. Well, it's early days. Do you think we can expect another similar season from the Scarlets? Can they build on last year? I know. The consensus with some people, uh, some people in this office as well, sort of thought that the Pro 12 was a flash in the pan, and then last year they went and showed that it wasn't. 
with another final, and a European semi final, which is you know something we haven't seen in Welsh rugby yeah. for a very long time. Watkins, the only thing, yeah, I think. They got a chance of matching last season. My only concern is the amount of number of injuries they got, and well, how is that going to hamper them if they've got still got those injuries going into the autumn internationals? Uh, you know, players who they might have been able to uh, might not have been involved with Wales, and uh, you know they they would miss them as well because they are going to get a lot of Wales calls anyway. So um, you know that could uh, that's why it's important for them to get uh, points in the bag outside the international windows. Uh, but you know they on they on a winning roll, aren't they? And uh, you know once you start winning and get momentum and all, it's uh, you know you've got that knack of of, uh, of getting the points in matches. It's just the same as it, on the other side side of the coin. If you're losing uh, losing uh, rut, it's difficult to get out of it. I think the thing with uh, Pivac is is he a lot. I suppose a lot of coaches do. We talk about it with sort of. The player rotation before, but Pivac is very good at picking key points of the season and making sure the Scarlets peak for those key points. Yeah, which all goes well for when he's Wales coach. Exactly, it does. I suppose the, the only concern at the minute is it's hard to peak for those at those key moments when you're being so stretched thin yeah. before them. So yeah. that's that's going to be the battle on his hand this year. Yeah. Um, it's going to be an interesting one, like 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 you say. They do have the luxury of sort of you know a few players out. You can bring in a Paul Asquith who can play anywhere along the back line. Yeah, he played well last week. Tom yeah. Friday's Friday, Friday's well. con- yeah in contention. I would suggest a pick for Wales in the autumn as a squad member. Very strong in the air is Tom Friday. Yeah, so he's a good athlete. Tom's a good athlete. It's something that gets sort of mm. like overlooked in his game, but he's almost like a a Gaelic sort of a GAA sort of. He goes up for the ball. Yeah, he's got that side. Hands, hands above his head, like Israel Falau does. Mm. It's it makes it hard to compete against him. He's got that sort of frame, hasn't he? Yeah, well, he's a good athlete. Just a just a very consistent player. So, yeah. um, that's all the regions put to bed. We'll quickly touch on another topic in rugby, one that's been pretty big this week uh, over the other side of the border. That's Leicester Tigers. Will Spencer. Um, Sent off against Wasps for a high tackle. Uh, last night he got hit with a four-week ban. Um, I don't know if you have you seen the incident. Yeah, I have. They? Yeah, what are your thoughts, closely so? looking there. Definite red card under the uh, under the rules. Uh, I don't know what people are complaining about. Game's gone soft. Um, you know, he, he caught the guy with any with his uh, yeah. ab- above the uh, above where he allowed. Simple as that. So I think that was a definite red card. But I also had a look with um, the George Smith one, which got overturned uh, for Bristol against Saracens, I think it was. And uh, I thought that was a lot more uh, debatable. The point of contact with Smith made his title. So, uh, you know, but I think with this uh, Will Spencer one, I don't think he would, uh, uh, that he could have any grievance, really. What do you think, Ben? Definitely red card. I think that the most... I'd even go as far as saying despairing or worrying thing to me was the amount of sort of fans, ex-players and current players who, who, who see that as a sign of, of the game going soft. Well, it's not, is it? You're breaking the rules, isn't uh, it? It's not soft. You tackle low, it's not soft, it's, is it? It's, a, it's, a, that's, that's it's, a, Dan, it's Dan Idiot soft because he tackles low, chop tackles. No, he's not, is he? He's a demolition man. 
Dan, Dan gets had more injuries than we care to mention. He's broken his neck. He's had horrible knee injuries. Yeah. Ankle, foot, leg. But it, for me, it's just it's a dangerous view yeah. to think that the game is going soft. And well, you know, as we said earlier, but maybe the fans they need to take more refreshers as well, and players because players clearly don't know the rules about tackling. I'll be honest, when, I, when I saw all this on, I think it was Sunday night, Saturday, I did get a little bit uh, frustrated and I went on Twitter and I, I, I probably got on my soapbox a little oh, bit. Oh, Ben, that's a dangerous game it's to play. A dangerous game, but I, I, you know, I felt I had to say something. It's, it's when you see these ex-players who played 20 years ago complaining the game's gone soft. Well, for me, that... The game's harder now. The, the game's a lot tougher now than it was 20 years ago because the, the players are so big. For me, it's, a, huge. Yeah, it's a different game to what they played. It's like asking Jackie Stewart, like, what's the latest F1 car like, isn't it? Because Yeah, you'd still be a top driver, mind. Yeah. yeah it's a different ball game because the drivers are the same size as we were back then. But uh, uh, rugby, yeah, yeah. yeah, rugby is different. It's a, a strength game now. Yeah, more than yeah. a skill what game. What I'm saying is he, he would struggle with the technology of the car. No, he wouldn't. He was brilliant. I'm showing how old I am. But the other thing with Jackie Stewart was Jackie Stewart fought for more safety values. Of course he did. He was the man because they were, you know, drivers were dying every few weeks back in that stage, and he was the guy who led the campaign, which changed all the tracks, changed the cars, and made it much safer. In rugby, there seems to be this attitude of ex-players. That's that's I played that. You should play it too. It's not dangerous. Come on, I got through it. And you, you only have to look at the amount of players who are retiring early. Yeah, it's good. Like I said, it goes back to it goes to size now. These players are so huge now; they're carrying so much muscle and so much uh, weight. They can do uh, so. Being hit by a bulldozer. You think you think back to the eighties. You had Bill Beaumont was a second row. How tall was he? Six foot, hmm. six foot four, uh, max. Now, hmm. now you know you had you had you had you had back rows who are about thirteen stone soaking wet. Now you've got. Wingers who are six foot five and about eighteen stone. Like look at um, the Northampton Saints winger, um, Takeli Navarro. Was it? I probably botched the, botched the pronunciation there, but he he bumped off Billy Unipola like he was a in, what, just a speed bump on the weekend. You know, that, that's what that's what we're dealing with. And I think Bernard Jackman said last year that there's no fat players anymore. There's not many. Apart so, from for, apart from the prop who was playing for the Southern Kings the other week. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't see that, but yeah. Uh, so what you're left with is you're left with basically two lines of fifteen with no space. It's just, it's just a war of attrition. I, I just can't, I, I can't get my head around anyone who thinks the game's gone soft because it hasn't. It definitely it's, hasn't gone soft. It's harder than ever. It is harder than ever. Yeah. yeah it's a massive, aren't it? That was that was me on my soapbox. That's. Mm. <laughs> I don't think that'll be a regular thing on this podcast. Is me getting so irate. At least you've got opinions. Opinions, Ben, and you feel passionately about them. Absolutely, that's good. It is good. Um, we'll finish with predictions. Less good. Um, so here we go. Let's start with Cardiff. Cardiff Blues at home to Munster on Friday. Uh, obviously, we don't know the composition of the Munster team yet, but um, the Blues got to win this game, and um, I think they will just. They're a different. They're a different outfit on at the Alps Park, aren't they? It's a fast track, and when you start people like Jared Evans and Thomas Williams, they do look a different team, don't they? But um, it's just yeah, it's just, I, where, it's just I, where they. The other block that's been synonymous with their winning run last season, mine was Anscombe when he came back from injury. All of a sudden, he got started winning as well. And uh, initially, over there last weekend, he played really well. 
So uh, let's give him a bit of credit as well. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, you know they can do some uh, damage. Is where they uh, they they have to tighten their defense, uh, i.e., forward defense, because you know Munster will come and be uh, physical. Uh, Pooh's gonna have to move him around and uh, do some damage. Oh. And I, I mean, I'm looking forward. Might see Joey Calvary playing for yeah. Munster because yeah. I think he's a cracking outside half. He is, isn't he? Um, mm. Scarlets, they're away to Connacht at the sports ground. Nothing like a nice. Nice day out in windy Galway. Well, it depends on the weather's doing over there. Windy. Good match, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, Connaught's uh, game last week. Ooh, was that with Edinburgh? Was it? Was it a cracking game? Um, always tough opponents and all. Uh, be assigned where the Scarlets are. I think the Scarlets can go over there and win. Good, good. Dragons at home to Zebra. Oh, it's gonna be, this is going to be another. This is another close call. Dragons. They've got to win this match. Simple as that. Uh, have they learned from the loss to um, to Benetton? Um, uh, can they put that into practice against Zebra? Uh, I think they. I think they. I think they might win this game if they don't. If they don't win this game, they have got problems. And Bernard Jackman's going to be under a lot. You know, he's going to be under the microscope even uh, even know. more. You know, you. Uh, uh, this is the sort of game. That, this is the sort of game they've got to win with having made fourteen new signings. Absolutely, and then finally, uh, Saturday night, Ospreys at home to Benetton. I suppose the one that will either vindicate Alan Clark's decision or, as I said earlier, George North will win it uh, for them. Uh, if they don't win this game, I think Alan Clark will cop it in the uh, in the year from some dis uh, uh, dissatisfied or unhappy uh, Osprey supporters. There we go. But hopefully, one after hopefully, like you say, George North will win it for him. So that's uh, all for today's podcast. If you've uh, enjoyed it, give it a like and uh, review on iTunes. And for all the latest Welsh rugby news, you can catch it all on Wales Online. <laughs>